Hey everybody, it's Heather from Cause and Effect. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast these last several months. I've had so much fun recording them for you guys. Um, I wanted to let you know I'm taking some time off in December, so we're going to rerun some of the old episodes during this month. Uh, We'll be back on January 9th. I'll have the nerds with me and we'll have some new episodes. Enjoy your December and we'll see you again in the new year. You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Winnig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Hello, welcome to Cause and Effect. This is Heather Winnig. I'm that early childhood nerd, and I'm here with Curtis Winnig today, joining me from the Nerd Collective. He's sort of a nerdling, too. Hello. Um, so, Curtis, tell everybody what you want them to know about you. Um, well, when I was going through your fan mail a couple weeks ago, I noticed a growing number of complaints that um, Ben was a little bit too high energy, a little bit too active for the audience, so they thought they needed someone a little bit more low-key and more subdued to uh, bring everything even, down a little. Even more low-key than Ben. So we're bringing Curtis in. <laughs> oh, man. So in real life, Curtis is my son. Yeah, I have no background in childhood education. I have, um, I've been in education positions, but usually with pe- children who are like 10 and older. Hold on, Gwen wants to go out. <laughs> All right, well, he's letting the cat out. Um, I'll just, I'll just tell you that Curtis is pretty well trained. He's paid close attention to all of my soapbox ranting and all of my coming home from work and talking through my day kind of stuff. So, um, and he's, he's always, uh, a good, a good, uh, sounding board for those kinds of conversations. So, um, the, the creation of this podcast, in fact, that's true. Right. That was, um, that was a Curtis was a big part of that. So anyway, um, I've included him in all of the. Um, so usually, if I have quotes I want to talk about, I send it out to all the co-hosts and let them pick if there are any they're interested in. And he had one in the last batch that he thought that he could that he had a connection with. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So the quote is from Margie Carter and Deb Curtis. I think this is maybe. In um, 12 episodes of this podcast so far, this is the maybe maybe the fourth Margie Carter, Deb Curtis quote that we've included. So clearly, um, they are favorites going. of mine. Yeah, I've got a little something going with Margie and Deb. I wish. Um, anyway, when I first started have, that. You can have what? Alfie or you can have Margie and Deb. You can't have all three. <laughs> well, that's just not fair. No, I'm pretty sure Deb has some exception to take with all of it. But, you know, who cares what he thinks? No, I think he's down. <laughs> Anyway, this is the quote. Um, We are willing to entertain children, make products for them to consume, and prepare children for adulthood. Yet we don't earnestly give them much attention for who they are now. Um, So, Curtis, Mm -hmm. what jumped out at you with this one? Why did this one make a a connection for you? Um, Well, I have a very interesting history with 
public education and how I was raised <laughs> as a child by people who aren't you. And um, let I, it all out. I, <laughs> no, I have a. I'm always more interested in um, a person as an individual rather than you know whatever else I attribute to them. Mm-hmm. And particularly in education and uh, child rearing, it's. I don't want to say this. I wrote, I wrote so much down, and yet none of it is translating. That's okay. Right Process. We got um, time. Yeah. So, um, mostly it's just on the disconnect between that. You know, this child that you're looking at right now is a person. It's they uh-huh. are their own person. They will grow up to be something different than they are now, but they are something right now. Uh-huh. But also, there are 20 people like that in the room at a time. And it just seems like, on the whole, the way education and childcare is set up is you kind of have to sacrifice the individual for the whole, but there's still ways to do that on the smaller scale. But I was also very uh, intrigued by the notion of using entertainment to meter that against focusing on the individual. Okay. Um, talk about that more. Okay. What, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is like it's very, very easy to just be like, let's let's keep them all in the same place and focus on the same thing for 40 minutes at a time while we try to come mm-hmm. up with what else we're going to do for the day. Yeah. Rather than just kind of let them all go around and do their own thing and you have to be aware of what each of them are doing, how each of them feel about certain things and how they all interact with each other. Right. So, which is much harder. Yeah. The individualizing is harder and I totally understand why why it's tempting for people to sort of slip into that I'm a good teacher or I'm a good parent if I can keep kids busy, Mm -hmm. which I think is sort of this, you know, we're willing to entertain them and make products for them to consume. Um, But that's, we, we, children deserve so much more from us. That, that it took so long for little Einsteins or whatever to get busted is a (laughs) testament to how little people actually stop and think. Which is right. another thing, because like it's ease versus difficulty, but that's not necessarily anything wrong that someone is doing. It's just mm-hmm. a less good choice. Yeah. Because the other thing well, is like if you if you're focused on entertaining them, like that's all well and good. That'll get you through the day. But you know, then you miss out on all the you know possibilities for you know education or teaching them to think critically or just you know be aware of themselves and the world. Right. I think um, certainly entertaining them. Is better than neglecting them. No, obviously, yeah. <laughs> right. That's, so, so it's is, certainly like, with entertaining. Like you obviously still care enough to like be in right. the same room or have some interest in what they're doing. It's like right. no one ever tries to entertain someone because they're malicious about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. Think. I, but I, I think it comes. You know, every now and again, I ask. Um, I was doing so well about not starting every sentence with "I think," and now suddenly I'm right back there. Um, but every now and again, I, th- I think about doing things like asking uh, parents or teachers, and and I've done it some in trainings with teachers, what are your goals for your child? And very rarely do I think that those answers would come back, "Mm, I just want them to have a meh childhood. Right. I I just want them to get by. I want them to have lots of memories of sitting around a projector in a classroom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I want them to remember, you know, being part of this, being a cog in the machine. Well, considering um, what K twelve puts them through, exactly. But that's what happens. And I, while I can understand that that maybe isn't coming from a place of bad intentions, 
Um, that doesn't mean that it excuses us right. from stopping ourselves and reflecting and demanding better of ourselves so that we can do better for children. Right. And that it's, it's another thing is again, because I don't think anyone does it maliciously, but they may do it deliberately. It, uh, sure. it's equally about the ease and the difficulty of just entertaining them rather than actually teaching them and being around them and being there for them. But yeah. is how many, how many teachers don't know any better because they were only ever entertained as sure. children. They don't have memories of like, you know, hands-on learning or being allowed to do their own thing. They were just only entertained. So they did. That's just, that is what childcare is to them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very cultural. You're right. It's, it's, um, and this has sort of been the mantra of the podcast so far, but um, the old, the Maya Angelou quote, you know, we do the best we can with what we know. And when we know better, we do better. Yeah. So I can excuse you if this has if if no other way of thinking has ever been presented to you. Mm-hmm. But once people have been parts of conversations or been exposed to any kind of resource that says this could be so much deeper, this could be so much better, and then you make the choice to continue um, seeing children as products instead of individuals, that's when I get a little bit um, a little bit grouchier about it. Right. Well, and as you should, because that totally excludes anything nice I had just said is like. (laughs) I just undid all your nice. Well, no, my nice still has a place. But once you know better. (laughs) Right. You've got a responsibility then. Yeah. It's like, oh, I see now that this might be difficult, but I'm not going to do that. It's like, no, you, you, you can't. Yeah. Like you are an you're an educator. Your responsibility is to your students, however Uh old they are. Yeah. So um, you may have heard me mention this person, Lisa Murphy. No, who's she? <laughs> well, she's this person. She's pretty smart. I gathered. <laughs> um, but she has a book called Lisa Murphy on Play, and it sort of has become my nightstand daily devotional book. It's always there, and I pick it up and, and just look through. Sometimes I just look through what I've highlighted um, today's, when I need. Today's reading from Mercy. Today's from read- Murphy 214. Murphy 214. But one thing that sticks out to me a lot is just one phrase that I highlighted that just says, it's hard, do it anyway. And I think that's amazing. And such a cha- it's a challenge to me because I certainly had gotten sort of um, comfortable and had to re-challenge myself mm-hmm. on some of this stuff as I'm getting back in touch with playful learning. Um, and that's what you just said too. Yeah, it's hard, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. Um, that's when I start to question intentions right. and question. And like, you if can... you, if you have to take baby steps and like do some conscious unlearning, that's totally cool. I'm more right. understanding of that. But if you just don't do anything differently, it's just like, yeah. what's the, what's the point of this? Right. Or you think, well, I can't do it all. So I'm not going to do any. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really different. So, um, oh, I had a question that's gone now. I'll say something to fill the time while I try to remember my question. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> to tell, tell a fun story about a oh, time where okay, I yeah. wasn't in, oh, what? Do that, do that, oh, tell a fun story. Okay. So like I mentioned, I've been in education positions before, but never like in a classroom, well, mm-hmm. it, sort of a classroom, yeah. but I used to work for a music studio that had, uh, it was called After School Rock, and it would take all the kids who were taking voice lessons or piano lessons, guitar lessons, drums, and whatever, and rather than have like a traditional recital um, they would just build like three or four bands out of the kids who were taking classes and then they would just have a concert at the end of the whatever the period was. Right. 
And for a couple of years, I was in charge of one of those classes. And then for the rest of it, I was just kind of there as I was needed. <laughs> but um, I've got to tell you, like, teaching kids how to play music is really hard to do. Yeah. Because, but it, it's a much, for me anyway, is much more helpful because I already have a connection with them. Like, we both play music and I know a lot about music so I can ask what they like and try to give them some context for that. And there's some things that there's just not really any other yeah. way to explain than what it is, like right. notation and all that, but that usually is right. not a problem. But connection is important. I mean, that's, if nothing else, that established established a relationship with those kids that made them um, pay a little closer attention when you did have to do the direct instruction kind of stuff. Mm. Or trust that you were going to help them through difficult times be- or difficult parts of the lessons because you had made that effort to personally connect with the individual. Yeah, they, they like me a lot better when I'm keeping time with drumsticks and stopping every 15 seconds and being like, nope, do it again. When <laughs> yeah. when they already know that I like them and like their music too. Yeah, and I think that's true of any relationship between an adult and a child. If they don't think you care, what reason do they have to care you know, what you think. Mm-hmm. If if they don't think that you're willing to see them as an individual, and I'm not saying that, you know, a two and three-year-old is sitting and actively um, plotting the downfall actively of their... <laughs> plotting downfalls. Well, not even that, but even thinking in the, those terms like, well, she certainly hasn't demonstrated any respect for my individuality, so right. I'm not gonna, you know, flush the toilet when she tells me to flush the toilet. Mm-hmm. That's But it's, but it's internalized. Yeah. Um, and it, they, and it they learn before they have real. the words to describe it. Right, right. That's true. Um, so connection is is big. Um, and I don't think that if, you know, the middle part of this quote was we're willing to prepare children for adulthood, always looking forward to the next thing rather than paying attention to right now. Yeah, like you spend all the time moving them forward, but then when they get there, they don't know what they're doing. You right. haven't given them the tools to be able to articulate what they need. Mm-hmm. Well, and even so talking about your after school rock experience, um, wait, is that right? After school rock? Yeah. Suddenly it sounded wrong. Um, probably each child that was in that class had a different level of experience with music and maybe some had already practiced and some had never touched an instrument. Yeah, there was, so you, there... you can't just say my goal is this concert and we're all going to do this yeah. without knowing first where everybody is. Yeah, that was that was. I had very little to do with building the classes. Uh, mm-hmm. The woman who owned the studio usually would tr- like gauge where everyone's skill level yeah. was and build the band. It was such that. a cool. And program. that made my job a lot easier. But then you would still, you know, these are the kids who don't practice as much. These are the kids who don't have the means to practice at their house. Right, makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I agree with what you're saying. You're making a very good point. <laughs> well, I just finished this book called Discovering the Culture of Childhood, and they presented it from sort of an. Uh, Oh, not archaeological. What word am I looking for? Anthropological. Anthropological uh, perspective, looking at childhood as its own separate culture and that adults cannot understand it without some effort because we are in a totally different culture. You know, adults. Right. So one of the examples she used is, you know, Germans aren't just Americans who speak a different language. Yeah. They have a whole different way of thinking yeah. and a whole different way of living. And it's the same thing with children. And we have to put some effort into seeing children that are, individuality. Children are just like us. They just don't have anxiety. <laughs> no, they have anxiety. I, I know they do, but differently. <laughs> yeah, right. It's 
that was such an interesting perspective to me. I, I've talked a lot lately about how children think very differently than adults do, and we have to take that into consideration. And I use a lot of times um, a video that was around Facebook all the time for a while in the spring of a baby in a high chair, and I, we assume it was mom, is just like cutting a banana into slices. I'm sure I made you watch it. Probably. And the baby the baby's like belly laughing and his face is turning yeah. red. and The vein is in his forehead yeah, every yeah. time she slices a banana. I love that video. Make, Makes no sense to me why that's funny, but that doesn't mean that it's not funny. Right. <laughs> Just because I don't see it, and um, we really have to, we really have to take take hold of that and buy into that to do the best we can for children. Mm-hmm. Like if, if our only goal is control and I just want to get them through the day and I want to not have any outbursts and I want them to listen in quotes. I was trying so hard not to say the c word in this conversation, but what control? Yeah. Oh, it, power comes up in every episode. I know. But... But, and, and for some people, that's how they measure success with children is can I get them to do what I want them to do? Um, but And it goes back to if you've never been presented with any other idea, right. then cool. If that's the only context you have from your own but, life. But once I start talking to you about another way of measuring your success with children, you have a choice then to reject it and continue in the way you've been or to look and take some baby steps towards towards the better way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was, that wore me out. Sorry. I'm <laughs> trying to restrain the massive anarchist diatribe, but, um, you're trying not to swear. I know. Yeah. You can do an anarchist diatribe. Just don't say the F word. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I mean, that's the other thing. Like, even if you're entertaining, like there's a way to make education entertaining. Like, I feel like there's a diff, like as much as I, I mean, I, specifically badmouth baby Einstein's earlier, but it's like, it's possible to make education fun. Like schoolhouse rock is still pretty cool. (laughs) And And that is where I learned a lot of my history. (laughs) And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like, it actually is educational because it's presenting things that are worth knowing. Right. It's not, I haven't watched Dora the Explorer as an adult, so I'm not quite sure how it fits in this context, but it's, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hear I don't watch Dora much. You know, I never have. Mm-hmm. But um, some some of that programming for children, even if the content is educational, right. that delivery method is not relevant. Yeah. For a young child, if it hasn't been in their hands, they really can't be expected to to process information from it, other than language. And even language needs to be attached to real experiences. Right. So. Which is. Which I was, I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I, I don't know, Dora popped into my head. But it's like the dif- <laughs> the difference between like Blues Clues and Dora because those both came out oh, when I was like Blues Clues in between four and six. Yeah, but it's like Blues Clues was very much the same, just like someone talking and then an audience of children shouting at the screen. <laughs> but I don't think Blues Clues was trying to teach me anything. Um, I think Blues Clues was trying to teach you um some thought process stuff. Yeah. Because you had to kind of look for themes with the clues yeah. and put it together. Um, actually, Blue's Clues was one of the least offensive children's programs for me as a parent. Uh-huh. Um, and also, I, I, I figured that's why it. I was allowed to continue watching it. Right. And also because you would stand on the coffee table in Blue Skidoo. <laughs> <laughs> and then jump off again. I probably could still do that. I know that you could. We better get a coffee table. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this quote again just to see what mm-hmm. else. Um, uh, you know, making products for them to consume. 
hit me. I mean, that's one of the reasons I selected this quote from all of my Margie and Deb quotes, mm-hmm. um, because that sort of feeds into seeing them as not fully human. Right. Also, like they're just. It's a, it's another uh, demographic to take advantage to of. market to. Yeah. Um, one that's easier because they don't know any better. Right. They, they really are dependent in that process and, um, and families and even educators who are buying that stuff, um, have to develop some critical thinking skills with the, the products that are created for children because it, just because it says educational and has numbers and letters on it doesn't mean that that's what your child needs right now. Um, and, uh, that's that's difficult too because again it's a, a parent with good intentions who wants their child to have the best so they buy that baby Einstein video and think that they are you know really doing something great for their kid which yeah which is which is which is a laudable motivation yeah and it, it it again just shows that you know it doesn't have to be a deliberate choice to prefer to entertain rather than to educate or mm-hmm. recognize your child as an individual at the time it just is right. if people don't know better they don't know better, but again, they can't do they, better. Once you find out, yeah, yeah. So, can you? I did this to Josie when she was on with me too the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you don't have an answer right away, that's fine. We'll just move on. But can you think of examples that really that stand out to you from when you were a kid of people who saw you as an individual or times that you felt like you were invisible? Um, well, the first one is a way shorter list. I'll say that much. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Elementary school is weird to think about that because mm-hmm. it was the sudden and drastic shift from being surrounded more or less entirely by family to, oh, now I don't know anybody here right. except for yeah. like the three people I live with. Right. But um, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> I've come to terms with what my life is. Um, right. Shut up. No, continue. Elementary school is it's just weird to think about because I'm sure like I'm sure that my teachers were there for me every once in a while. But for the most part, they weren't. Yeah. And that's the way that system is set up. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't hold it against any of them personally. It's just. Yeah. It's, there's there's just some reform that needs to happen. For um, grades one through. Forever. Like sophomore year were just kind of a terrible <laughs> time to be alive. And even junior and senior year weren't that great. <laughs> once, I was in, once I was in middle school and I was like, uh, Mr. Pedigo, Mr. Heath, Mr. Volkman are my go-tos <laughs> for like the pinnacles of educators that I had pre-high school. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they were the ones who actually like spoke to me directly and learned about what I was interested in. Yeah. Um, I knew Mr. Pedigo would be on the list. Uh, and part of that is the music. I mean, because music yeah. is so important to you that naturally a good music teacher is the one that's going to connect with you right. the most and stand out for you the most. Um, so here's another question. Okay. For are there any. Are there any specific examples of, and I know, you know, you were in childcare your whole life before school, but I don't think we remember those things as much as we do school. Not really. I remember but, a very like poorly lit one that had a lot of dead moths in it somewhere in Kearney. <laughs> but other than that in St. Luke's, I don't really remember any of them. <laughs> the dead moths and bats. Don't forget bats. I there were bats. I don't remember the bats. <laughs> um, we usually got them out pretty quick. <laughs> they were in the building. Um, uh, so anyway, my question was going to be, are there things that you can think of where it was a situation where you felt invisible 
um, but you but you know what the thing is that would have helped in that situation. Does that make sense? A little bit, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I should have prepped you better for this, but I'm yeah. sort of just stream of consciousness. Ah, that's fine. Um, I still don't really know what the thing is, but whatever it is that didn't yeah. get them to try to peg me for having an emotional disability would have been oh. great. Yeah, that was a crazy thing. So I'm going to tell the story. If that's okay with yeah, you, no, go for it. So now that you've now that you've opened it up, <laughs> so and do you remember how old you were? Um, this would have been. I, would have, I know we lived in Derbyshire. Yeah, I would have been like nine or ten, probably. Yeah. So um, Curtis was nine or ten in, in elementary school, and I got, I can't remember if it was a phone call or an email. I think maybe it was an email from the school that said they were going to test him for an emotional disability, and I said. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's just back that up for a second. <laughs> because that was the first communication I'd had from them at all that anything was of concern. Was that one with that letter and the decision had already been made to, to give you this label. And, and really, it seemed like the intention was we're going to do the test to justify the label. Not we're going to see what's really going on here. So anyway, I said, um, no, you're not. And they said, yes, we are. And I said, no, you're not. And it went on and I won. And oh, hi, now you're brighter. Yeah. Um, the screen's very so, dirty. But, so I said to the school, um, you're not going to test him and you're not going to label him, but I'll take him to a therapist and we'll see what's going on with this emotional disability. The first of um, many. And by the way, what makes you think he has an emotional disability? Because that hadn't been covered at all. And it turned out it was because when you got upset, you'd run out of the classroom. You know, distance myself from the situation like they told you to. <laughs> right. So so I took, I took you and you had like maybe only three sessions with that doctor. Something like that. And she came out to me after the third session and said, well, I've talked to Curtis. I asked him why he runs away. And he said, because if I stay, I would get in trouble for the things I want to say. So I leave. And then she said, so what he's actually showing is some emotional maturity and some self-control. And she talked to the school and got them off your case. And you and your teacher then worked out like some sort of system, like you would raise your hand if you needed to step into the hall or something. Which still didn't um, make things any better, but, you know, right? But apparently, But apparently it hadn't even occurred to the school to say, Curtis, why are you running out into the hall? Yeah. <laughs> it was all about control and not about um, attention for who you are. Um, so that's a good example. Um, that's much less animated than I usually am when I tell this story. Just, just. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, you weren't really involved in that process at all until your mom stepped in and said, wait, let's figure this out. And then and then you were brought into it, which is um, the opposite of all that connection stuff we just talked about a minute ago. Right. Which, I mean, at the time, I didn't even realize what was going on. Uh-huh. We were just like, we're going to go to the doctor. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and went. Well, I didn't want to skew the results by telling you before <laughs> what we were doing. I mean, yeah, that's fair. But I don't know. Or maybe I did and you don't remember. <laughs> Who knows? I certainly don't. It was a long time ago. Um, but, I mean, that's a good example. Um, the, the goal there was to find a way to control you, not to find a way to understand yeah. you. Um which can be translated into many, many, many situations between adults and children. Mm. Um, oh, my goodness. 
What? Entertaining. I'm just reviewing, and I still didn't come up with that question that I forgot. Oh. Um, we're willing to entertain children, make products, prepare them for adulthood. I yeah, I, I, I mean, that hits that hits a lot on my soapbox. Yeah, anytime I hear, anytime I see or hear the phrase "prepare them for adulthood," I'm like, adulthood is going to happen to them one way or another. Right, like, right. Unless they die, they're going to be adults eventually. Right, and and we don't know what that adulthood is going to be for that child. So how do we know how to prepare them for a specific adulthood? How did you in the '90s know what my adulthood was going to be like? Yeah, boy. Ain't that the truth? Gonna have a computer in my pocket all of the time, <laughs> and that's a good example. You know, we don't know even now what technology kids will have, you're gonna have in five years. You're gonna have to learn so, to do your math in your head because you're not always gonna have a calculator with you. <laughs> bitch, bitch, what's this? <laughs> that's that is a really good example because we think, well, everybody has to have iPads in preschool now because. Um, in, in two years at school, they're going to be using iPads. Maybe they won't be. Yeah, we don't know. I was going to say school but funding if, is pretty dire. How are they going to afford an iPod per student? Hell, it took, yeah. it took them like a hundred years of being in operation for my school to afford to be able to give everyone laptops and in 2012. Junky laptops. Those were terrible. Yeah. Um, but that's a good example where we could be instead focusing on developing the whole child right now. And working on things like critical thinking and curiosity and creativity, which will be useful skills regardless of the situation they end up in mm. when they're, you know, in school or they're adults. So that actually does a disservice, I think, to kids to focus only on what's coming down the road. Yeah, and I've, 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 I've run into very few toddlers who are <laughs> not – shut up. I've run into very few toddlers who are not more into, like, a stick – Mm-hmm. than an iPad that they don't really know how to work. Right. And there's much more. And, you know, honestly. There's a lot more sticks it, in the world, let me tell you. Sticks are easier to find. You can do more things with them. They cost less if you break them. Um, but if you break but them, you have two sticks. You have t- <laughs> you've doubled your fun. <laughs> honestly, though, everybody has a smartphone now, just about everybody. There's not going to be a kid walking through a kindergarten door who doesn't know how to work a touchscreen without having to do it in childcare programs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no. I just don't think that's a reality. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's easy to market. Oh, we have white screen. What are those smart boards and, and iPads in all our classrooms? Yeah. That's appealing to families, but it's not a very much real value to who children are right now yeah. or what they'll be in the future. Like, what I see there is an insurance policy that's going to get really ruined as soon as <laughs> one of those kids gets a handful of paint right Ooh, paint i love paint me too man um, i was so close to swearing when i was in that sentence i know hope you appreciate that <laughs> i do it was very nice i'll give you a sticker for your good behavior I thought you hate those things i do that was a joke um i wasn't sure if you i think covered that I think in the may- podcast yet no, I um I I think I secretly hope that if I keep pretending to be a sticker reward person that that will draw Alfie Cohn out of hiding <laughs> and he'll be forced to contact me to set me straight. I think that's the subconscious <laughs> truth behind the sticker chart jokes. You're weird. <laughs> You're a weird um, person. Okay, that might be true. Um what was Oh, I was going to just in, continuing in that where we were before the Alfie aside. Mm. Um, Cause I see a lot 
So for example, um, NACI, National Association for the Education of Young Children, has a campaign called Early Ed for President. And they're really just, I mean, the focus is just to bring yeah. child care issues. I've, and ch- I've seen and their things issues. on Facebook before. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, but it makes me uncomfortable sometimes. And they're certainly not the only ones. They're just the example that came to mind mm. um, of um, we should invest in child care because of how it benefits other people. Here's how it benefits um, businesses. Here's how it benefits the future. Here's how it benefits um, the workforce in 20 years. That's all fine. But I get really tired of feeling like I have to prove to people that children will be of worth to them someday if they're just patient enough. Um, Rather than just saying they're fully human, they deserve good things. Right. (laughs) deserve good stuff right now you're missing the forest for the trees there capitalists (laughs) oh we made it almost a half hour before you worked capitalism (laughs) and now he's biting his tongue okay anyway um so so i think that really fits into this too is um even even those really again good intentions pull us away from what children need from us right now yeah which is going to be if if we paid half the attention to what they need right now that we do to what good we can get in the future. Right. Which even uh, which even again is just the focus is on preparing them for adulthood rather than Right. Yeah. You, rather than you, just value. What do you like now. to do? You like that box? Okay. Let's go party. <laughs> you got the box. <laughs> let's go party. <laughs> you would totally get in a box with a toddler. I would. I have I before. <laughs> and will again. Suffered some grievous injuries in boxes before. I know you have. Um, remember at cousin camp when we put the little cousins in a big box yeah. and shoved them over into a pile of pillows? I don't think I was in the house for that, but I saw pictures. Oh, weren't you? No, oh. I was probably at work. That's true, because you'd have been in the box getting knocked over. Yeah, exactly. If you were home. <laughs> I would have been the first one in the box. Uh, um, all right. Well, do you have any um, – I'm trying to keep them closer to half an hour now because we get some 45-minute podcasts mm-hmm. that are even long for me to listen to. Sometimes. Right. You're in it. Uh, and I'm in it. Uh, and I agree with everything. Right. So uh, any other thoughts that you that you had that you want to make sure we get in here? Uh, let me just look through my notes. Yeah. Check your notes, man. Dang and challenging covered, ease and difficulty, covered that. <laughs> PlayState educate control, we covered that. Oh, PlayState. Good word. I know. I was wait-, wait, do you say PlayState or Playcate? I say PlayState. Oh, I say Playcate. Oh, whatever. English is weird. It's- <laughs> What it is. I know it is. Um, and then the quote. Now, I think we hit on all the things that I had yeah. written down and thought about beforehand and some things that I wasn't really expecting to get into today. But Yeah. So do you have any, because we try to, of course, we we go about on and on about the quote and what caught our attention whenever we do one of these episodes. But we also try to then make it kind of real and, mm-hmm. and offer some sort of connection to listeners, is there anything that comes to mind to you? Like, what advice would oh you give to someone who wants to take a baby step towards um, valuing who they are now? Um, what I would say is talk to them, <laughs> and in whatever manner they can, the child can communicate, listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if, if it's not a complete sentence, try to work it out. If it's right. gibberish, then, you know, right. pay attention if you to ask what they're if- laughing about. <laughs> oh, that's so big. That's such a big connecting point. Paying attention to what they think is funny and then working it in. You know, who cares if you think the banana cutting is funny? Yeah. 
A baby does. Like, this is the easiest I've ever had to work for a joke. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a really good, a really good point. Um, I think so often for me towards the end of the podcasts when we're trying to make it real, I come back to awareness and reflection. And I know that doesn't come naturally for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I would say, you know, if you're working with children or if you are a parent um, uh, or even, you know, grandparent and, you know, any interactions you've got with children, maybe just stopping and making a list of what your goals are for when you spend time with those children, mm-hmm. because that might not match, you know, your goal might be to meet them where they are now and to connect and build relationships. But then you think about how you go through your day um, and they don't, they may not match. And so maybe just pick one thing you want to change. Even if it's, you know, I ask them a lot of questions, but what I'm realizing now is I don't always wait for the answer. Um, so that could, I think that would be my piece, my send off yeah. advice. Um, okay. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you you wanted to do this, and we'll probably I'm sure we'll do it again. Yeah, I've got the I've got the home movies one saved up. Oh, on my that's laptop. right. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. Curtis and I are going to do an episode about uh, based on uh, the Adult Swim cartoon home movies, <laughs> which we're excited about, I've, I've, and we're doing diligent research I've, watching the show. I feel very odd that like all of my contacts for these things are from like K twelve, but whatever. But I think that's where most of our memories really come from. Yeah. I mean, that that's your experience as being a member of a group more than anything else. So that that's not surprising. Um, and I'm and that's, terrified of being around children, so that also... You say that, but I've seen you not be terrified. No, I know that you see that. That's not me. That's someone so else. You, that's your alter that's ego who comes out to protect you. That's a fake person who can handle being around small children and not be paralyzed by anxiety. So this is the second time that dissociative identity disorder has come up in the podcast. <laughs> what was the first? Um, in the Little Women episode, oh. I talked about it. I said I was uh, – Tiffany asked me if I – which character I was. And I said I think I'm one person with dissociative identity disorder and each of the characters is one of my personalities. Yeah. I, was li- yeah. I was at the listening party for that. I should remember that, but I don't. Yeah. Well, it was a long time ago. Um, that listening party was fun. Yeah should do that again okay well thanks curtis you're welcome we're gonna wrap it up thank you everyone for listening to another episode of cause and effect this has been an explorations early learning upstairs studio 